So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life. The only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details. Blog Talk Radio. Rhyme ruler, the mind of the master, the yeah. prom poet designed for disaster, a crime candidate, the light heavyweight, I might levitate right through the heaven's gate, rhymes record break, next bonds and vertebrae, simple and plain like Kanye, I heard him say, it's murder one when he murder tracks, I'm a dirt bag, flirting with songbirds and Birkin bags, my first rap, catch Roberta Flack, I'm a certified Mac, but I'm sure you ain't heard of that. Slim thugging them hoes, they been loving the flow, they been hunting for men like in vogue, and I, I'm in season to season vet. I don't need respect, all I need is a check, might even check. Memphis Grizzlies are super weird. Can we all agree with that? Can we all get on the same page and just acknowledge the, the absurdity that is the Memphis Grizzlies? They go from a five game losing streak to the numbers you heard them, seven losses in their last eight, heading in to the Lakers game. And they knock off the Lakers. They, they are able to do it, and they pull off a two-in-one stretch since the last time we recorded here on the Blog Talk Radio Airwaves. you got to be happy with that, right? Got to be happy with that. Maybe they got there in a, a different way than we anticipated, but they knock off the Lakers in L.A., Jaron Jackson Jr., staring down LeBron James on his way to hitting a dagger three to put that game away. It was so awesome to watch. And then one of the ugliest wins you will ever see uh, on an NBA court or anywhere uh, as Memphis knocks off Cleveland on Wednesday night. But here they are, 18 and 16, still in the thick of the Western Conference, and hopefully will figure to be so for the foreseeable future. Welcome to Grizzly Bear Blues Live. I am your host, Joe Mullinex. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast this week. We made it consecutive weeks, ladies and gentlemen. I told you we would. I told you it would happen. We did it. That's one single applause. Hopefully you're clapping wherever you are, however you listen to the podcast. And it's the last show of 2018. At least I got it in, okay? I got a consecutive run of podcasts in by the end of the year. Got to give me credit for that, right? Right. Well, we'll at least say we can. Uh, thank you again for joining us. I am Joe Monax, your host, the site manager of grizzlybearblues.com, SB Nation's Memphis Grizzlies fan site. I am also the host of this lovely podcast. I wear many hats, do various, uh, various things, but I'm most proud uh, of being your friend. Hopefully, wherever you are, you're enjoying the podcast. Sorry, getting a little weird. Ways to get in touch with the show. You can follow me on Twitter at Joe Mullinax, M-U-L-L-I-N-A-X. You can follow the show on Twitter at GBB Live. And then, of course, you can follow the main account, the grizzlybearblues.com Twitter account at SBN Grizzlies. Whether you're listening to the show live as we record on a Thursday night here, December 27th, or if you're listening to the show over the weekend, as most of our listeners do, thank you so much for tuning in. Here's what we're talking about and who we're talking about it with tonight. We're taking a look at the schedule ahead. Again, the next time we'll record will be in about a week or so. So they have three games between now and then. We'll break down that schedule. We'll talk about the ebbs and flows of one Jaron Jackson Jr. And we'll talk about possible trade bait, uh, potential targets 
for the Grizzlies to move on from, not including Wayne Selden and Marshawn Brooks, who have already been proven, uh, are potential tradable commodities, uh, who we would be most comfortable with parting with. That's all coming up through this podcast this week. And my guest this week, another shorter edition of the show, is a tremendous, tremendous, tremendous friend of grizzlybearblues.com. He does a great job over on Grizzlies Game Night on 92.9 FM ESPN in Memphis. Uh, 92.9 does a great job with us over at grizzlybearblues.com, and I appreciate his time. He also is the host of the North Mississippi Spotlight on Super Talk Radio 93.7. If you're listening to this podcast, chances are you know him as the studio host for the Memphis Grizzlies. He's going to break all of this down with me and then some so gracious here in this in-between holiday week with his time. Mr. Gary Darby. G. Darb, how are you doing, sir? G. Darb, are you there? Still waiting on G. Darb. All right. So as that loads, um, let me see here. All right. So we are having some technical difficulties with old G. Darb. Uh, As that uh, hopefully continues to improve. Um, taking a look at the schedule, all right, it is a pretty intense uh, intense run of emotions that, that Grizzlies fans had to go through uh, the past couple of days, kind of uh, figuring out if this team is any good or not, or if they are that 500 mediocre kind of squad that we all anticipate them being. Uh, let's try G-Darb here again, see if it brings over. G-Darb, are you there? Still no G-Dart. Gotta love blog talk radio and live podcasting. All right, let's try this. Nope, still not working with G-Dart. Okay. Forgive me for the technical difficulties. Going to continue to try to work through those here on blog talk radio. Gotta love, again, live podcasting. Fun stuff here. Um... Let's try one more time. G-Darb, are you there? I am here. Could you hear me? Oh, my goodness. I can hear you. Goodness gracious. I tell you what, G-Darb, I'm going to have to talk. We have a <laughs> conference call meeting in January with my bosses over at SB Nation, and I love them dearly. They've done a great job in helping out uh, Grizzly Bear Blues. We had a very successful year, so shout out to everybody who frequents the site. But this blog talk radio stuff's for the birds, G-Darb. they got to get me a, a better system here, but I'm glad it worked out. How are you doing tonight, sir? Yeah. I'm doing well. That's live radio in general, though, isn't it, Joe? I mean, oh. it can happen at any, at any point in time. Now, what what I was trying to say when you first came to me is I was flipping channels, and I came across the World Axe Throwing Championships. Oh, and my, my wife God. Behind me, my wife behind me says, I would like to learn to throw an axe. And so I'm I'm out on the front porch now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh uh, doing this with you because we don't I, I, we don't need her learning to throw an axe. I don't think that's a good thing. But Joe, everything's good, man. You know, you get a couple of wins and and you feel a little bit better about yourself. Well, where do we start with this team? Because as I was talking to before, I had a mild panic attack trying to figure out our uh, soundboard here. Um, the the Grizzlies <laughs> again, best of time, worst of times with this roster, 
and you look at the loss against uh, the Kings, for example, you know, one of the peak losses sure. probably of this season where Memphis had them on the ropes as they have a tendency to do, especially against the Kings. And then they just lost it for whatever reason, they weren't able to finish the job and they just, they dropped the game. You know, they didn't have the capacity. Uh, they were up double digits at one point and then just a disastrous fourth quarter where they give up 37 points and the Kings pull away. And you come out of that game thinking that Memphis might go below 500 for the first time in a while. And then all of a sudden, they, they have one of their most complete performances of the season against a Lakers team who I think has been underappreciated and undervalued by a lot of folks. That's a pretty good basketball team. It'll be interesting to see how they do without LeBron for a few games. But with LeBron James, either through internal improvement or through a trade at some point, Anthony Davis being the sexy uh, latest name being thrown out there, they're going to get better. So I thought that was a darn good win at Staples. Of course, Jaron Jackson Jr. hitting the three over top of LeBron James to seal the game is kind of the memory that will be etched in everybody's mind uh, for a while when it comes to Jaron and his progress. And then on Wednesday night, they pull out the win, but I know you'll agree with this, G-Dar, any other team, <laughs> if they played any other team in the NBA, they'd probably lose that game considering how poorly a lot of them played. Marcus Gasol maybe uh, being the exception of that rule and a couple of others here and there. So what do you make of this team after, you know, again, a, a disastrous uh, road swing until the Lakers game and then they knock off Cleveland, all of a sudden they're 18 and 16. And, and there's also no denying that the January slate of games coming up looks a little bit friendlier for Memphis than December did. Yeah, it definitely does. And you know, go back to that Sacramento game. You mentioned the fourth quarter, but the last four minutes of the second, they don't score. The last four minutes of the third, they don't score. And then you put the last six minutes of the fourth. And those are the frustrating things that a veteran, I think, team like this shouldn't go through at times. And I know it happens for a lot of NBA teams. Uh, but but this team, I think, is good enough not to let that happen. I will I will say this. Garrett Temple kept saying, we're getting open shots. They just aren't falling. And then now his have started to fall the last five. You're seeing Kyle Anderson more involved in the offense, and I think they figured out how to use him. To the Laker game, I was worried about that as well. And then when you notice, and, and it's, it's, a, it's a fine line between winning and losing in this league, who thought no JaVale McGee, no Tyson Chandler? would make the Lakers a beatable team for the Memphis Grizzlies, right? I mean, they had everything else, but the Grizz out-rebounded them. And if you go back to that first game, well, McGee had 10 and Tyson Chandler had 14, and they out-rebounded the Grizz by 25 or more in that game. But it was it was a huge win for that team. Mike Conley said, look, they played with a panic. They had to do something to win a game no matter what it was, and they were able to do that. And you're right, the one on Wednesday night – uh, was just awful. Uh, and just watching Cleveland play and a game where you were up 13 to one, but thought you should be up 30 to one at, at some point. And it, it just seemed like they knew though, it really was one of those games. Maybe they didn't necessarily play down to the competition. It was one of those. They really did know we can push away and win this game. It, it did get a little too comfortable, uh, uncomfortable at the, at the end when, when you were only up by four. Uh, but if, if again, uh, if they back to rebounding, uh, they they were beaten on the boards handily by an undersized Cleveland team. That's the issue that I think long term has to be settled for the Grizzlies is some kind of rebounding help 
along the way if there's any of these moves that are going to be made. It was a night off without a night off. You know, I think I tweeted that out. Yeah, that's right. certainly yeah, how Marcus Gasol looked at times. Right. And in fairness to Mark, he had a pretty solid game, 20 points, nine rebounds. You know, he, he did some good obviously assists as well, some blocks and steals. A complete game from Mark. Uh, aside from, you know, there were moments where Colin Sexton would get an offensive rebound or something like that, and it would look right. like Mark was kind of standing there watching, uh, which can be frustrating. But, uh, again, at the end of the day, in the eternal words of Dominic Toretto, it doesn't matter if you win by an inch or a mile. Winning is winning. Shout out to the Fast and the Furious franchise. So we're, we're, we're looking at a team that is 18 and 16. They're seven games away from the halfway point in terms of schedule. And those next seven games are at home against Boston, on the road against Houston, at home against Detroit, at home against Brooklyn. They're at San Antonio, at New Orleans, and then they welcome San Antonio. So around Wednesday, January 9th, will be the official halfway mark of the season. We talked about this a little bit the other day, G-Darb, and uh, I'm kind of curious if your opinion has changed at all. Let's say they get to that – it would be 41 games, like I said, 41 games into the season – and they're 20 and 21. So let's say they for somehow, for whatever reason, completely stumble, go two and five these next seven games. They're a game under 500 heading into the second half of the campaign. What grade are you giving the Grizzlies at the halfway mark of this season, considering where they've come from, considering, you know, are you grading on a curve because of the way the roster is constructed? Again, let's go worst case scenario, because I don't see them losing more than five of these last seven. If they're below 500 by a game at the halfway mark, what grade would you give this team considering everything that's uh, transpired? Uh, wow. You know, and, and, and obviously it, it changes maybe a little bit of your thought because you opened up 12 and five and then thought, boy, they've put this thing together. They're playing great defense. They've got a chance here. And then you go through that four and 11. I think what you're seeing is a team, Joe, that is about a 500 basketball team, unless there's some kind of move or that offense picks up in a lot of ways. So if they are 20 and 21, how many of us would have taken that before the season? Eh, Probably a lot of us, but I still considering all, I'm going to stay in a B range a little bit. Is that doable? I, I think it's in that range where, okay, they've done some things we didn't expect. Maybe they're, you know, in, in the eyes of a lot of people, if they're halfway there, at 20 and 21, that's about where I think most of us thought was around 500, maybe a game or two better uh, if they get on, you know, a nice little roll in the second half of this season. So I'm going to toss it in that B range. And, but I will be a little disappointed given the start, obviously, that they got out to in those first 17 games. If they're 20 and 21, and again, that, that, that means they're three games away, Jadar, from being – better than three wins away from being better than they were last season. They, before the season started, I think they're either 33 and a half or 34 and a half was their win total in Las Vegas. The the official Vegas over under for their wins for the season. If they're 20 and 21, it's a B. And I don't know how you argue against anything lower than that. Considering there's no Chandler Parsons and there may never be Chandler Parsons. You, you see injury report updates and all that stuff. My heart's been broken too many times, buddy. So I, I'm going to wait <laughs> until I see him actually playing and contributing at a, even a decent level. They don't even have to be a high level anymore. But I, I've, I've had my heart broken too many times by Chandler Parsons. Um, so I'll, I'll hold off on that at this stage. 
but that's without Chandler Parsons. That's with other injury issues. That's with concerns about Dylan Brooks, who figured to be a main part of the sure. rotation. That's with the addition of Joe Kim Noah, who was on uh, on the couch, you know, had just been released by the Knicks and, and a lot of other NBA teams, maybe been in back channels and the stuff that you don't hear about out in the open uh, in the NBA Twitterverse and media kingdom. Uh, it didn't sound like there were people banging down the door to bring Joe Kim Noah in. And the Grizzlies are the ones who come out and sign Joe Kim Noah. And he's done some good things, but he's also come down to earth. So, so my point is, you look at a roster, and we talked about this, where there's so many pieces that are playing outside of their ideal role. Even if you want to say Jaron Jackson Jr., who we'll talk more about here in a moment, he, he shouldn't have to be the third best player on this team. But right now, he has to be the third best player on this team for them to compete. He has to be. Kyle Anderson needs to be more of a scorer than he probably needs to be. Same thing with Garrett Temple, Shelvin Mack. Go down the list of all of these guys who have to do more or are expected to do more than they realistically should be expected to do and on a higher level are paid to do. <laughs> I mean, that has to be yeah. a consideration yeah. here too. You're, you're not paying Shelvin Mack to be your sixth man, but that's essentially what this has become. So if they're 20 and 21, considering all of that, for me, it has to be a B. It has to be. Yeah, I, I, I fully agree with you. And JB said over and over that they've asked these, some of these guys to do things that they're not accustomed to doing. And I think a lot of that is, look, you go back and you go through time and you look at Shelvin Mack and he's a seven-point-a-game shooter. His, his numbers are going back right to that mean. He got off to the great start. Uh, Kyle Anderson, I think, is getting the ball in his hands more. And I think that that whole dynamic has kind of figured itself out. If you can keep him in and around double-digit scoring, and he's ha- he has to rebound. I mean, he's the third-best rebounder you have on the basketball team. I mean, he's grabbing six a night. Absolutely. So you've got to do that and defend. And I think you can see with Garrett Temple, and, and I saw your, you know, the, the, the voting and the poll of, of who could be trade bait and things along the way. I just, as a glue guy and what he does, uh, I will – I like Garrett Temple a lot, and, and it would bother me maybe to see him go unless obviously you're getting that, you know, you just can't turn down kind of thing. But I think Garrett is, is a guy that can defend too, and we can see now um, is going to be able to knock down some threes and, and, and help you out in that regard. So, but, but they've never been – I mean, they've all been really good basketball players, right? I mean, Kyle Anderson's been a really good basketball player on great Spurs teams where he's been a role guy, hasn't had this. But this is what – you know, it, it was what he was signed to do and what people thought he could be in this league. And Garrett Temple has just been what you see. This has been Garrett Temple forever. Shelvin Mack has been a backup point guard and a steady backup point guard. But they're being asked to play, you know, significant minutes in crunch time. And I think that's all been new to some of them uh, and, and some of this defensive play, too. I mean, coming from the Spurs, Kyle Anderson had to do a little bit of that. Uh, Garrett Temple, I'm sure, did some. I don't know how involved defensively in watching Shelvin Mack over the history he was with any of his teams. He was just a steady, good backup point guard. And that's what I guess they hope to bring in, but they've had to extend him and help close games along the way, maybe more than fans or some would, would like to see of Shelvin Mack, but that, that's a comfort level, you know, with your head coach. So um, I, I do give the front office props. I think they did a good job of assembling this group that is close. And what that piece would be to, to get over is I don't know, but I do think 
You know, they have now realized that they've got to have that 19-year-old, like you said, as the third guy, as to a guy you get the ball to early, you get it to him often, because when he's engaged on that offensive end, he's a beast everywhere. And and when that side's going well for him, Jaron Jackson Jr., uh, it's just been amazing to watch what that 19-year-old has done. And I think he can, Joe. I think he can be that third guy. He may be, and if you listen to Mike Conley before the game the other night, he's like, look, uh, it may be we do these pick and rolls that it was used to be with me and Mark, and it's now me and him. We run those plays for him. I'm a decoy. Mark's a decoy. We have to have him. So it, it may just be the rest of this season that the Grizzlies do rely on a 19-year-old to take them where they want to go. Well, right now, and I'm on basketballreference.com, a, a great resource for anybody who follows the sure. NBA um, I'm looking at the Grizzlies roster. He's the third best player when it comes to win shares for 48 minutes. He's one of their top players when it comes to net rating. He has a plus five net rating, an offensive rating of 108, defensive rating of 104, which is second on the team behind Marc Gasol, and Mark's having a great defensive season. Um, he's right up there with, with Mark and Mike and, and Kyle Anderson's having a good season, too, to his credit. Uh, but you look at this roster, and he has to be the third, and he has to be. And his numbers kind of warrant him getting more opportunity. And it's not like it's more opportunity in terms of overall usage. His usage percentage is already second on the team behind Mike Conley. Marshawn Brooks I'm not counting because he hasn't played at least 500 minutes. Jaron Jackson is the second most used offensive player on the Grizzlies. It's when he's used. It's clutch time or crunch time. It's – when he's the focus, when he's allowed to have to be that guy with the killer instinct who hits a three over top of LeBron James, it's J.B. Bickerstaff being willing to allow for him, A, to take that shot, B, to make a mistake at times. Uh, there's been times the past couple of games, including the Lakers game, but especially against Cleveland, bad turnovers, you know, silly fouls. He's going to make those mistakes as a 19-year-old player, and he just turned 19 in September. So he's one of the youngest guys in the NBA. I think I'm with you that he has to be the third man. I don't necessarily think there's a trade out there that gets you that type of player. He just has to grow up kind of quick. But I think the good news for Grizzlies fans is he's shown the capacity in that moment to be able to rise. And that doesn't mean that he's not going to fail because there are going to be times where he fails. You know, you hear the the famous sure. commercial from Michael Jordan talking about all the times he missed game-winning shots and failed as a player, and that's why he succeeds. Jaron Jackson is going to miss game-winning shots. Jaron Jackson is going to make boneheaded plays. It's just going to happen. But he has the physical capacity to be that guy for this team now. And that is something that I didn't think was possible, at least on the offensive end. I know there's a lot of people that didn't think it was possible offensively. Everybody kind of agreed he'd be a solid defensive player or a very good defensive player uh, early. But nobody saw this level of play. I mean, Gary, he is literally the third best player on this team right now. That's shocking to he me. Is. Uh, maybe it shouldn't be, but he it is. is. And you're, you're going to have to accept a game where he goes and bullies LeBron on the block and lays it in on him at one point in the game. And then at the end of the game, you know, okay, you're going to back off on me. I'm not scared to take this shot as a 19-year-old. Whether I hit it or not, he wasn't scared to take it. And he hasn't been scared of the moment from the first time he hit the floor. Uh, he, I think he's getting tired, too, Joe, of, 
of, of the people that, that keep saying, because he's mentioned this a couple of times, people keep, keep telling me I don't know how good I can be. I think he does know how good he can be. And so he's not scared of the moment at all, which you like. But then in a game like Cleveland, which we saw, he was kind of out of it a little bit. I mean, he was 11 points and four, three or four rebounds, but it wasn't that same Jaron Jackson, you know, that you saw attack a LeBron James and, and an L.A. Lakers squad the time before. And that, to me, is what you're going to have to, you know, kind of put up with because he's 19. Uh, we were sitting and talking. It was John Roser and some of the other guys uh, and, the you know, the producers uh, and engineers of our full Grizzly show and we were like, you know, you know that that's what we're going to deal with. A guy that's 19 years old, and he's going to do these unbelievable things one night and then be pedestrian, you know, the next night just because of his age. But when he does become that 22, 23-year-old, a little bit more wiser in the league, I think you're going to see, you know, a guy that's – and I hope the rebound numbers do get there, that, that definite double-double – a big cornerstone of the Memphis Grizzlies franchise that they thought they were drafting and they hit on when they got him this time. Um, and it's like you said, you, you just have to watch. He's 19, but that, I, I'm, I'm very excited to watch him. There's a lot of guys in the NBA, veteran guys that have been around a while, Joe, they don't want to take that shot. Wouldn't have taken that shot over LeBron James at the end. He's not scared of that moment. And when Javon Carter gets that time called and he's up for good, he's a kid that's not scared of it either. And so I think they hit on both of those guys from that regard, uh, that both of them aren't going to be scared of the moment. They may make mistakes. It may not always go, you know, the right way for them, but they're not going to be scared to get out there and do it. It's definitely nice to be a little bit more optimistic about your future. You know, we've talked about that and I've yeah. talked about it over at grizzlybearblues.com and, you know, especially during the, the muck and the crap that was last season, you didn't know what was going to come of it. You were worried about their past draft history. What Would they make a mistake? This team was in pretty dire straits. I mean, you still had Deontay Davis, Ben McLemore. The, the fact that this front office, and this has been talked about a ton, but it remains true, has taken all of that, all, all the flawed pieces that the Grizzlies had on that 22-60 and 60 team, to take that, flip it, Turn it into a competitive roster that is respectable again, that's fun to watch again, the Cleveland game may be excluded, uh, that is in a place where they can compete and can convey that first-round pick to Boston this summer while Mark and Mike are still near or close to or around their primes. And now you see a clear path for the future, like you said, that has Jaron Jackson Jr. as that cornerstone. That's just such a relief for me as somebody who follows this Grizzlies team as closely as I do. And obviously I know you do as well. And, and if you're listening to this podcast, chances are you follow them pretty closely too. It's just so nice to have a future laid out in front of you that isn't quite as dark and dreary as it once was. We're finishing up here with Gary Darby at GDarb65 on Twitter. He's the host of Grizzlies Game Night. Uh, he's a, stu- a studio host for the Memphis Grizzlies. He also does some work for 92.9 FM ESPN in Memphis. Great friend of the show and of grizzlybearblues.com. Again, make sure you're following him on Twitter at GDarb65. We'll get you out of here on this. You mentioned it earlier, Gary. The question of the day that I tweet out every single time that we have a podcast, um, I tweet out a question of the day. Thanks to the about 220 folks who voted in the poll this week. The question of the day was this. Which of the following Grizzlies players do you think should be the highest priority to keep 
through the trade deadline and the rest of the season. The four options were Jermichael Green, Shelvin Mack, Garrett Temple, and Dylan Brooks. And again, this is the highest priority to not trade. This is someone that they want kept on the roster. Uh, the lead vote getter wasn't necessarily surprising. I kind of anticipated this. Dylan Brooks runs away with the victory at sure. 72%, not even in the ballpark where the other three, that's not necessarily surprising. I wanted to see who second was going to be because you have three pieces there, Jamichael Green, Shelvin Mack, Garrett Temple, that are all those veteran role player types. Obviously all, you know, Jamichael and Shelvin are bench players. You have Garrett who starts, but let's be honest, if they did somehow swing a trade and Garrett Temple wasn't involved, it'd probably be for a scorer that would start and maybe Garrett yeah. Temple goes to a reserve role. Garrett Temple is a good reserve wing on a good com- uh, on a competitive contending basketball team. I think you could put Garrett Temple on Boston, for example, or you could put him on the Warriors and he'd be in the mix for minutes coming off the bench. He wouldn't start for them, obviously. Um, so if they were to somehow bring in a third guy, an Evan Fournier, a Tim Hardaway Jr., uh, uh, Kent Bazemore, not saying any of those guys are coming. I'm just using them as examples of who would surplant him as the starting two guard for the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, I was kind of curious to see who people would say, and it looks like Garrett Temple at 17% is the next highest priority. Now he doesn't run away with it. Jermichael Green is third at 10. And I also kind of figured that Shelvin Mack would be at the bottom. I don't think uh, too many folks would miss him if he were traded as he regresses back to his mean, as you so eloquently put it earlier. Um, but I'm kind of interested in your take, Gary. Uh, first, do you think Dylan Brooks should have run away with it? Because I think he should have. Again, we talk about that future. Dylan Brooks, to me, is a key point of that future. Maybe you don't think he can be that starting two for you yet, but eventually, hopefully, he will be able to be that guy. And then between Jermichael and Garrett, who do you think is most important to the Grizzlies? Because, again, for me, I used to pair the two and say those two guys plus two second-round picks equals – Tim Hardaway Jr. or Evan Fournier or Kent Bazemore. If that's not realistic and you're trying to go a little bit smaller than that and say you're doing Jermichael in two seconds or Garrett Temple in two seconds, which one are you less excited about parting with? And it sounds like from what you said earlier, I already kind of know your answer. Yeah, but it's so difficult, Joe, because, I mean, this is a Grizzly team that rebounds at the bottom of the league at 395 so if you're trading Jamichael Green for a score, you're trading six of those rebounds away, and and you're not helping in that regard, which is where second chances, if you look at the Grizzlies, they've been in everything but the season opener, the Laker home loss, and I guess really those two Golden State games. They've had opportunities to win, or they've been right in everything else, or you know they, they've won 18 of them. So that's why I think it's a tricky, tricky question i don't dylan brooks is not in the picture i don't think for the grizzlies unless they get some unfathomable deal right like okay somehow that you work you work a bradley beal for him and somebody else and whatever and you get rid of some money you know what i'm saying it's going to have to be some crazy deal for dylan to go because i think he is what they think is the future too and it may be by the end of the year, if that knee is okay and he comes through, you may see the switch where Dylan becomes that starter and Garrett comes off the bench. And, and I think Garrett just being a glue guy will do that. That is a difficult, difficult question because my my thought was, do I want the veteran wing guy in that mix still helping and doing all the things in the locker room that I think Garrett does or a guy that rebounds six-plus a night that you have to have in Jamichael Green? 
difficult question. Um, but I, I guess I'm going to have to reverse a little bit because of what Jamichael does coming off the bench. And I know he is somebody that you could and probably will be able to flip for something as well. I may have to switch and say we need Jamichael from that off-the-bench rebound. And at times where if it's Mark or, or Jaron who's in foul trouble or whatever, you need Jamichael, whereas you have extra wings along the way. So I will just say because of sheer numbers, Garrett's probably the one that's more expendable and, and, and probably attractive for somebody. Like you said, he would fit perfect at a Golden State or a Boston or somebody like that. So it probably – is going to end up, if that is the case, being somebody like Garrett. But my personal opinion, I would like for him to stay on that group the rest of the year. Does that answer it? Not really. You you kind of did. Uh, Here's why I say Garrett Temple should be the second highest priority, which means Jermichael Green should be the one who should be traded. First and foremost, I think that you can keep Garrett Temple for less money than it will cost to keep Jermichael Green. I think that Garrett Temple can right. retain his services for a couple of years, maybe a two-year, eight to ten million dollar contract, four million ish a season. I think you can keep Garrett Temple a Memphis Grizzly, and he is that key glue guy. I agree with that completely. As long as Mark and Mike are still your veteran core that you're building around, I like the idea of having Garrett Temple on this team at this stage. So Michael Green is another guy that is similar to that. All he has done in his time as a Memphis Grizzly is work his tail off and prove that he is similar to Garrett Temple. You put him on Golden State. You put him on Boston, Toronto. He's in the mix for playing time. He's a rotation guy on a championship team. And that's not meant to be a dig at them. That's a compliment. That's a guy that, again, is playing above his ideal role in terms of being on a championship contender. Having said that, I think he's going to be more expensive than Garrett Temple. I've seen Ivan Rabb play. And I like what Ivan Rabb can do. And I think that if given the opportunity, he can do some of that rebounding that you lose with Jermichael Green. I've seen what Kyle Anderson can do playing that stretch four role as a point forward. I think that it allows for you, say you were able to flip Jermichael Green again. This is purely speculation, hypothetical, no source, no rumor. This is just a hypothetical situation. Say you're able to take Jermichael Green and turn him and two second round picks into Joe Harris from the Brooklyn Nets. All right. Uh, if you're able to do that and you bring in another big wing who can shoot the basketball, play offense, do some sound things defensively, play within the system, you can have Kyle Anderson play some more four. And I don't know that you lose a ton. He's the same height as Jermichael Green. He has a similar length, similar build, maybe not quite as thick as Jermichael, but you, you have multiple big bodies. Omri Caspi, uh, God forbid Chandler Parsons ever come back. He can play the four. You have a lot of bigger wings that can fit that spot and try to replace in the aggregate what Jermichael Green brings as a rebounder. I like Garrett Temple's leadership. I think you can keep him for cheaper, and I think that you have enough bigger-bodied wings that you can replace Jermichael Green, but you can't get enough scoring out of him. If the right move comes along to me, Jermichael makes more sense to move on from at this point than Garrett. That would be my argument for it. Yeah, and then let's go back to the 19-year-old. He has to rebound better. He really right. does. I mean, that's one of the things that has to to pick up a little bit, and that's been discussed, and he knows that. And you can watch Marcus all talking with him about things like that, and those things will pick up along the way. Uh, I, I think you're right. And, two, you talked about the next seven games. I think as we watch this month of January break out, 
and you see what direction do the Grizzlies go? Do they just stick around 500? Are they a tick below 500? Do they actually, you know, start to run this up four or five games above 500 and above the expectations a little bit? That that's going to change the entire picture, you know. Of will they make a move? What move is that uh, that they do along the way? Uh, I'm with you, and I'm glad you gave props to Ivan Rab. This is a guy that's stuck in there. Uh, just kind of hung around. They sent him down to the G League, and instead of, you know, taking this as a slap in the face, he went and became a player of of the week down there and improved himself and then improved his outside shot and says, okay, this is what I need to do to play on this team. It's what I'm going to do. And he can give you that energy and things. I mean, when he came into that Portland game uh, and and gave you, what, eight points, eight rebounds, something like that in just a few – ten minutes – um, I, I agree. I, I think that you can find some time for Ivan too, um, but it, it will all come down to the comfort of the head coach in that front office. And again, I think not right. just these next seven, but let, let's get in mid-January and kind of see where it is, uh, because the, the Western Conference, the way it is, you know, we were that five-game losing streak from dropping out to eight. You're now that five-game winning streak to being right back into fifth, sixth, something like that. I have a date for you for that, G-Darb, and we can maybe reconvene here in a month or so, uh, either here or on your <laughs> show, and we can talk about this. At, on Monday, January 28th, okay, the, the Grizzlies start, uh-huh. I believe it's their season long, I haven't confirmed it yet, but Monday, January 21st, excuse me, they start their season long, I believe it's season long, homestand with the Martin Luther King Jr. game against New Orleans. From there, they play Charlotte, Sacramento, Indiana and Denver, a five homestand. By the end of the night on Monday, January 28th, I think you will know whether or not the Memphis Grizzlies are buyers or sellers. If they're buying at the deadline or around the deadline, I think that is where they'll, they'll make a move for a guy that we just said, maybe try to package Marshawn and Wayne Selden again, if they want to keep both of them. They've shown that they're interested in doing that. I mean, if it were Dylan and not Marshawn, Kelly Oubre would be here right now. So they've shown an interest in moving some pieces like that. It depends on how far they're willing to go to try to improve the roster. And like you said, how comfortable the coach is and the general manager is. That's my date, Monday, January 28th. I think that they'll know by then if they're buyers or sellers in this market. And you know, Chris Wallace always likes to get his business done before the deadline. And the deadline, I believe, is February 7th. So that kind of falls in line with that as well. So that's my date. I think that they'll uh, they'll make a move around that point because after that five game homestand, if you're four and one on that homestand, if you're not four or five games, maybe a little bit better, over 500 at that point, you're probably not making the playoffs in the Western Conference, and it's a chance for you to kind of think about the future. Absolutely, I agree with you. And so let's go ahead and and kind of uh, put a mark right there for you to be on one of the Grizzlies game nights there, maybe that Friday or that Saturday at the end, and we will you know, kind of relive a little bit of this conversation, you know, here on, on this uh, Thursday night, because uh, I, I hope that the Grizzlies are still in that mix. And and I think that they will be. I, I really do. I, I think they're going to be hovering a game or so above 500, knock on wood or whatever because of health, and you know how all of that goes. But I think you're going to start to see, as good as Sacramento's played, I think they're about, I, I could be wrong, uh, to, to fall back just a little bit and not sold on some of the others that are in there right now in the top eight. It's the, well, what does the old silver and black San Antonio do? Utah seemingly is getting it together just a little bit. You can see Dallas is fading back. So if the Grizzlies are still around that 
500 or, or plus, then I think they are a move away from, from at least creeping into playoffs after suffering to that 22-win season a year ago. That would just be uh, a tremendous thing to do. And something that from Robert Perra on, I mean, Robert said that they could win 50 this year, you know, from the very beginning. Uh, that's what the front office has believed the entire time with what they constructed. Uh, it sure would be nice to be sitting here in, in mid-January if we do relive this conversation with a few games above 500, thinking not only are they in that Western Conference chase, they, they, they could make, maybe even make the middle of the pack. And, uh, and I think with a healthy Mike, Mark, and Jaron and the rest of the guys, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say that that's not possible. I think it is. There are four, uh, 14 teams in the Western Conference that are within eight games of the playoffs, which is pretty amazing. And, and the Grizzlies are only a half game out of the playoffs as of this recording going into Thursday night's games. They're only four and a half games back of the one seed Golden State Warriors. It makes for a crazy yeah. ride. I, I definitely will make it a date. It's a date, G-Darb, uh, either on your show or mine. Hopefully on your show uh, would be great. Uh, we will reconvene, like you said, that Friday, Saturday, maybe one of those nights we can talk about uh, whether or not the Grizzlies are buyers and sellers at the trade deadline. It's going to be fun to watch, and that's all I wanted out of this season. So I, I'm happy about where the Grizzlies are at. Gary, thank you so much, as always, for your time. It is much appreciated, and uh, we'll talk down the road, of course. Same. Anytime you can join my show, it's a great pleasure as well. So uh, I appreciate you giving me this chance to talk. Talk Grizz. Passion for both of us, for sure. Yes, sir. Thank you so much, Gary. Once again, there he goes. Gary Thank Darby, you. great friend of grizzlybearblues.com and GVB Live. He is the host of Grizzlies Game Night, does great work as a studio host for the Memphis Grizzlies, and, of course, does work on 92.9 FM ESPN Memphis as well. Make sure you're following him on Twitter if you don't already do so, at GDARB65. Finishing up here on Grizzly Bear Blues Live, I am your host, Joe Mullinax. And again, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for dealing with the technical difficulties at the start of the show. Thank you to Gary Darby, a great guest of the program. I'm optimistic about the team as well. I do think they'll probably be around the two to three to one uh, games over 500. And they're going to have a tough decision to make. How far do they want to go to be a contender for the playoffs? I think they've shown that they want to be in the playoffs. So they'll go right to their, whatever their brink is, whatever their line, they're going to be willing to approach it and, uh, and make the moves necessary to get in the playoff picture in the Western conference. Our next podcast will be January 3rd, 2019. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, at the start of the new year, we'll be back on the blog talk radio airwaves talking about the next three games for the Grizzlies in the month of January ahead and all the great work being done over at grizzlybearblues.com. I want to thank everyone who has listened to this podcast. Thank everyone who has frequented grizzlybearblues.com. We had a great year over at the site. It is growing by leaps and bounds. It is much appreciated. All the reading, all the content that you have taken in, making us a part of your Memphis Grizzlies experience. It really is appreciated from everybody on our staff, from our family to yours. Happy holidays. Uh, belated Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, all that great stuff. Be safe over this holiday season. If you're traveling, whatever you're doing, again, much appreciated to Gary, to everybody who's come on the show, everybody who's been a part of Grizzly Bear Blues Live and grizzlybearblues.com. It is appreciated more than you will ever know. Until next time, I am your host, Joe Mullinax. Thank you so much. Grind forth, Grizz Nation. This is Grizzly Bear Blues Live.